Howdy folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this is the show where we build out an entire campaign that you can use for your group. This season, we've been building our game using the Deadlands Classic rules, so if a trip through the Weird West sounds like your deal, this is the show for you. As always, at the start of the show, I'll remind you to grab your player's guide and Marshall's handbook, since we reference those frequently during the show. And if you still don't have them, you can pick them up at your local used game or bookstore or online from the Pinnacle website at PEGINC.com. Tell you what, instead of rambling on about what we're doing today, how's about I just shut my cake hole and we'll get down to it? Let's quickly recap what we did last week, as we do before we build. Last week, we picked up with our group either in Portland or Salem, Oregon, after dealing with Shelby Green and his batch of gunslingers. They've got the name Katie, which they know to be U.S. Marshal Kate Sinclair, and they know that she's Ed Stewart's brother. Through an exchange of telegrams with Alexis Miranda at the Dodge City Times, they agreed they would head to Dodge City while she works on finding the Marshal's location. They arrived, and as they were talking, Alexis got word that while Sinclair had been in Kansas City about a week and a half prior, she and her partner were seen fleeing Lawrence, Kansas, heading west about six days ago. Cue the chaos as about a dozen armed men got face-to-face with Bat Masterson and Wyatt Earp just outside the newspaper offices, and Masterson and Earp were protecting one Kate Sinclair. After the gunfight, the group took Sinclair to a doctor and agreed to watch over her until she was cleared to leave. During that time, they brought her up to date on what was going on, including the fact that Ed Stewart is her brother. A few days later, Stewart's right-hand man showed up to try to take out the marshal, but between her and the group, they were unsuccessful in doing so. Sinclair decided she'd had enough and took the group to a Sioux shaman by the name of Pathfinder, who explained that the best place to do the type of ritual the group believes Stewart is going to attempt would be the mines just outside of what was Triumph. We ended the build with the group getting a good night's sleep before heading off to kill Ed Stewart. Before we build the campaign for this week, let's build Ed Stewart himself. Now, I know I said back in the Triumph part of the adventure that we just used the Sheriff template for him, but that's not what he really is. We need to build him out to show just what kind of guy he is, and if we're being honest, our players probably never actually saw him shoot anything, so we're kind of covered in that regard. Unless, of course, your players listen to this show, just like a few of mine do. Then, you'll get questioned, just tell them to stop metagaming and move on. We're not going to get into the depth of detail we did back when we built Shelby Green. I'll have Gabe put Ed's character sheet up on the website, badgmproductions.net, so if you want to see what it looks like for your use, you can print it from there. I just want to point out that we've built Ed out to do two things, shoot three types of guns and to be a hex slinger. So you'll want to familiarize yourself with the concept of hex slinging, which means you'll need to get another deck of cards out for this final session. Once you've done all that, let's finish the campaign. The group has a six-day ride from Dodge City to Triumph, and they'll run into the first line of resistance about three days in. A group of gunslingers equal to the number of the group plus Kate Sinclair will attempt to ambush them as they stop to make camp for the night. After everything this group has been through, this really shouldn't be more than a hiccup, but it's also designed to get them a few more fate chips. Toss them a red and a white for completing this. They make their way the rest of the way to Triumph without incident. Of course, entering the town for the first time since right after it burned to the ground will come with its own emotions and allow the group to roleplay those out. And you can tug at the heartstrings a bit since they'll be in town during the day as opposed to night, which is when they were here last time. Tell them about the buildings being burned. Some went all the way to the ground, others partially. Get into whatever kind of detail you want. 
The one thing that we have to make very obvious is that there is nothing living here. No birds fly overhead or land here. No wild animals get close. You get the picture. So will the group, and pretty quickly. No roles necessary for that. It's obvious to the group that the bad juju going on in the mine has extended itself out to what was the town proper. So, without further ado, the group will head for those mines. As they make their way over the short rise from town to the mines, they'll start getting peppered with gunfire. Needless to say, this is the second wave of resistance they'll hit. This time, it's a number of soldiers equal to the group plus one extra. They're targeting the group with rifles, though at this distance, they're probably not hitting much. Put them behind boulders and on outcroppings above the mine entrance. Basically, put them anywhere they have cover. This should be an interesting fight, but one the group should be able to win. Again, we did overwhelming numbers in previous fights to intentionally prepare them for this. Two reds and a white when they finish this up. If they're injured and need to rest and recuperate, they can pull back into town, but they don't really have shelter. They're going to have to stand guard the best they can and hope for the best. When they're ready, they can head into the left shaft of the mine. Now, your group probably didn't go in here before. Mine claims they have, so what I'm describing next will have been added after they were there. In your case, they've been here all along, and obviously alter this however you see fit for your group. As you make your way through the tunnel, you feel yourself getting nervous. In fact, you feel the walls of the tunnel pressing in on you, kind of like a vice squeezing your innards. After a moment, the feeling passes, and you notice the symbols painted in blood on the walls. As you notice them again, you again have the feeling that the walls are closing in on you. At this point, let's do scrutinized checks with a target number of 13. If they succeed, they don't have the weird feelings anymore. If they fail, they'll keep having them until we get to the final confrontation. I'm not going to do up a full description here, but the tunnel they need seems to wind on for miles. Technically, it goes a mile as the crow flies, but it does wind for about two miles before they get to the end. There's a ton of symbols painted on the wall in blood, and if somebody decides to check, it's various types of blood. Human, cow, pig, bird, and a few they cannot identify. When they reach the end of the tunnel, it opens up into a 40-foot by 40-foot cavern that appears to be very crudely carved out of the rock. There are enough walking dead for two per group member, plus Kate Sinclair, along with three men seated around a campfire chanting. And sitting on a throne made of bone towards the back of the cavern is the man your group knows as Ed Stewart. Though he doesn't look like the Ed Stewart they remember. He's got the look of a walking dead, though it's mixed with the look of a demon. He grins as he sees the group and locks eyes on Kate Sinclair. Good to see you, little sister. Now let's get down to what we all came here for. With that, the fight will begin, and I fully anticipate somebody's going to try to shoot at Ed as soon as the group enters the cavern. So, we're going to say he successfully used the Mist Me Hex for the first one to shoot. Once that happens, we're into the combat draw. For the three chanters, use the Shelby Green character sheet. They will have all of their protections up as we start, and then run it. Your players should realize this is the final battle, so they really should be pulling out all the stops. Use all the fate chips. Use all the good, cool, interesting, different moves they haven't used before, maybe. The idea is to kill Ed Stewart and his minions while keeping Kate Sinclair alive. All of that being said, however, it's possible Ed Stewart wins and all of your group dies. Like I've said multiple times during this campaign, how you want to handle that is up to you. You can have them rise as harrowed. Use the actual rules for that instead if you want. You can have them create new characters at the appropriate skill level and run them through enough of the campaign to bring them back to this point. Or you can just call it a game and get ready for Season 2 of the Build-Along. 
any of those choices would work. I do need to note, there's also a slight chance that Stewart decides to cut bait and run if he's losing bad. If so, this fight's going to continue. It's just going to be a running battle. But all along, we've built with confidence in your group to get the job done, so let's just say they win the day. With the bad guy dead, the campaign is technically complete. However, I hate ending inside caverns or other icky places like that. So ask your group where they want to go next, roleplay them to that spot, then find a convenient wrap-up point in the campaign. And for their remarkable success, award everyone a green, two blue, two red, and three white chips. Oh, and I know you're wondering why we're giving chips if the campaign is over. <laughs> I'll touch on that next week. With the campaign over, we've finished our build. So let's look at what my group did last week and see how much of our build they actually changed. But as we typically do on this show, let's recap what the group did two weeks prior before we pick up with last week's shenanigans. The group was walking away from the Stewart family home in Salem, Oregon, when they were accosted by Shelby Green and a batch of walking dead. With some help from someone who blasted old Shelby from behind, the group was able to deal with the situation and gained a new friend in Clayton's new character. They went to have a drink as a group and try to figure out their next move, but it became clear that they needed Scott to try to speak with the dead and figure out exactly what Shelby knew so they could make the right move. They did, and Gabe was checking out the patterns on Shelby's body and figured out that some of them were protection-based. Scott and a few of the others wondered how one might power these up, but the blood of the innocent seemed too high a price for them to pay. The group then decided they had all the information they needed, so they headed to Portland. Once there, they got a letter intended for the late Shelby Green that alerted them to something going down at the Church of Everlasting Love at 8 a.m. the following day. My group being the types of fellows they are, they headed to the church to scope it out and wound up meeting Shelby Simmons, who's the mother of good old Ed Stewart. They convinced her that they were there to help her, and she pointed out that she has a daughter, Katie, that she hasn't seen in about a decade. The group agreed to both save her and get her in contact with her daughter. However, knowing something was going to go down in the morning, they convinced her to stay in the hotel rooms they'd rented and set up an ambush, involving dynamite if you can believe it, to use against whatever showed up. That's where we cut off last time, so that's where we pick up now. I do need to note that for the first time in several weeks, I, I had the whole group together. It'll be the last time for this season, too, since Clayton will miss the conclusion next week due to work, but he admitted he's really enjoyed role-playing to this point, and he will definitely be a part of the group for season two. Anyway, we picked up shortly before 8 a.m. the next day. Gabe and Jim were in church bell towers while Max was impersonating Shelby Simmons inside the church. And Clayton was just inside the church to help protect her. Scott was just outside the church across the way. And Aniston and Tyler were posted up outside the tavern and government buildings. I had 14 gunslingers make their way into the quad, as we determined when we designed the adventure. Now, if you think back to the last recap we did, the group buried single sticks of dynamite in the quad, spread out so they could be blown one at a time. That's what Jim and Gabe decided to do first, and they managed to take out a few of the men. Over time, they managed, through the judicious use of dynamite, to take out most of them. A few lucky ones got to the church and tossed nitro at it, but my rolls didn't do enough damage to take out the whole church. Clayton did the cinematic run and dive and managed to just lose most of his wind from the concussive force. However, it was noted by one of the players that if I blew the front half of the church off, wouldn't Gabe be in danger since he was in the bell tower? Well, yes. Yes, he would be. I ruled he dropped 20 feet straight down without prepping for it and managed to break both legs. However, with all the bad guys gone, he was able to get himself healed and then see a doctor to be in as good a shape as he could be moving forward. 
I did have the town marshal show up, but my roles were so bad. He basically noped on out of there as soon as he showed up. Yeah, my roles were that lousy again. The group then tried to figure out what they needed to do, and that's when Clayton finally told them about Kansas City. Since they had that little nugget of information, they skipped the entire Alexis Miranda Dodge City piece we wrote, though they did take the train from Portland to Shanfan to Denver to Dodge. In this game, however, they caught another line to Lawrence, with the idea being to ride their horses from there to Kansas City. In this version, I had the group run into Kate Sinclair and Alexis Mendez as they were being chased by 20 men trying to kill them. The group found themselves some quasi-hiding spots, and between the judicious use of dynamite again and a whole lot of really good shots, they took out all of the bad guys without taking any damage themselves. They had their discussion with Kate, and while she didn't initially believe them when they told her about Ed Stewart, they had the documents to prove it, and they had Shelby Simmons. Now, the way I played Kate towards her mother was that she didn't really care if she ever saw her again. Mostly that's because I felt Kate would feel a sense of abandonment. So since she's been on her own since she was 14, she didn't really care about Shelby or her father. However, she does seem to want to kill Ed now. I moved the Pathfinder meeting from Dodge City to Lawrence, and it went the same way here that it did in the build. Now, the group really doesn't want Kate to go with them. And while I told them during the course of the game that she was going to go... I think I might just give them what they want and let her stay in Dodge. And by the way, Dodge City is where they headed to. They decided they were going to get their things together and go from there. However, there are two things that are going to come out of Dodge that we know about regardless of whatever decision I make. Kate's giving the group a Gatling gun they can use. And Aniston met with some folks to see what he could make or have made out of the ghost rock he has on hand. So with the final battle looming, we stopped our game there. And with that covered, let's talk about next week's show. With the campaign build complete, next week we'll discuss what you could do with the characters moving forward, as well as options for things you could play for a couple of game sessions while we get season two of this show up and running. We'll also be doing a post-mortem on the campaign build, and I'll discuss what I felt worked, what I felt didn't work, and the changes I'd make if I had to do it over again. Then in two weeks, we'll wrap up my game, and I'll post-mortem that as well. Also, I'd note, these shows are going to probably be a little shorter the rest of the way out. We're basically just wrapping things up and prepping for the next season. So instead of being a half hour, we'll probably come in about 20 minutes, maybe just a little bit longer. So I apologize for that, but I don't want to fill these shows with fluff. We're going to do what we need to do and we're going to get out. In the meanwhile, why don't you check out our other fine show, Role Playing History. This week, we dig into the game that is Legend of the Five Rings. And for once, I actually did research on a collectible card game. So you're not going to want to miss that. Role-playing history is available wherever you get your podcasts or from our website, badgmproductions.net. The Deadlands classic materials we reference on this show are the trademarked and copyrighted properties of Pinnacle Entertainment Group and are used here for entertainment purposes only. To purchase these or any of their other fine products, check out their website, peginc.com. The music we use for this show comes from Pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Bad GM's campaign build-along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod. On Twitter at Bad GMP. YouTube, Bad GM Productions. You can email us, badgmproductions at gmail.com. And online, the website is badgmproductions.net. Next week, we dissect the body of our campaign and see what went right and what went wrong. Needless to say, I'm going to be doing a lot of introspection for that one. But that's next week, partner. 
Until then, I'm the bad GM Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table.